And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. We are explorers. We're going to stumble, make mistakes, I'm sure more than a few before we find our footing. But we're going to learn from those mistakes. That's what being human is all about. It is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not a weakness, that is life. We're Starfleet officers. Weird is part of the job. Base, the final frontier. Make it so. Do it. Hit it. Let's fly. I'm Eden. I'm Lindsay. And this is The Big Spot. And we're excited to bring you our thoughts on episode two of season three of Star Trek Picard. Yes. On the episode called Disengage. Disengage. Um, Aiden, before we start, how are you feeling about our decision to do a weekly podcast now that we're like two weeks into this? Um, Okay, still. Yeah. It's, I mean, I feel like it's still early. I yeah. feel like by week six and seven is when we're, gonna, we're really going to know yeah. uh, how much we hate each other. So... Yeah. Uh, Listeners have that to look forward to, yeah. uh, the slow degradation of this relationship. Um, oh, but yeah, hun, overall, if, we, if we don't hate each other after six years of podcasting together. Yeah, no, and, we and already plus do. The, plus the 20 years <laughs> of relationship. Yeah, okay. The, yeah, the 14 that came before that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair. Um, but yeah, how are you feeling? Uh, pretty good, but I haven't edited an episode yet. So I think that's going to be my job. This one will be my job. Yeah. So insert crackling noises here as I screw up the editing. No, <laughs> that Maybe. is up to you. You're yeah, the editor of this episode. Editor, you can do so, whatever you yeah. want. Um, but yeah, so uh, episode two, disengage. A lot of people made the pun about how it's the opposite of Picard's engage. Right, right, right. Um, which is, you know, whatever. Which I didn't even notice because I didn't pay attention to the episode title. Yeah, yeah. We forgot the episode title yeah. until we were watching other people's recaps and, and like, reviews. Oh, and we're like, oh, yeah, okay. okay yeah, yeah, I yeah. get that. Um, we're not the smartest. No, we're not. Uh, and before we get too deep into it, Lindsay, yeah. it is my turn, unfortunately, yeah. to do a 30-second synopsis of the episode for those yeah. who uh, haven't seen it and are listening for some reason. Um, You're going to get the 30-second synopsis of the opening scene from Aiden, because this yeah. is how, this new listeners, this is how it usually goes. Aiden will um, be a hyper-specific about the first I, I'm five setting minutes. the stage yeah. I'm setting the, this is the reason I've never written then, anything then, shorter than a freaking novel <laughs> and then um trail off at the end with um hilarity ensues or yeah chaos ensues yeah, or yeah, something or some, and that'll some be like of, your your, there's your a bridge. gloss yeah. over of like most of the episode <laughs> or the play or the movie or whatever it is that you have to okay i think i can do it this time Linz. Okay. uh do you have your timer ready because I do. i'm i'm psyched i'm not gonna do it but i'm gonna try okay well you just let me know when you're ready and uh we will let the hilarity ensue Lindsay, i'm ready so the bad guys have captured the ship with the that Picard and Riker are on, uh, and then they they fire photons and blow up the shuttle, so they can't even escape with the shovel, the shuttle. Uh, and then the Titan comes in and saves the day, just as they're about to be tractored into into storage. Um, and they beam everybody off off board. Uh, they find out that Jack Crusher is wanted. He's a bad guy, kind of. He's like a renegade dude. Uh, and then the uh, the captain of the Shrike, the bad ship, is demands Crusher. They say no. Uh, Shaw hems and haws at the end, and then he decides. No, we're not going to hand him over because he's Picard's son. 
Oh, and Raffi does stuff. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> you missed Raffi entirely. Completely ignore it. Uh, but yeah, that was that was kind of the end. The end of the episode is Picard saying, he's my son, we can't give him up. And right. Shaw goes along with that. So. Well, technically the last thing he says is, Engage! And then, okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. So he did the opposite of the title. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Okay. God damn it. Um, let's start with our overall thoughts sure. then, Lindsay. Uh, what were your... What, how did you, did you like the episode? What did you think of it? Um, I liked it more than episode one. My okay. viewpoint hasn't changed. I'm still, I'm still cautiously optimistic. Okay. Um, but I'm liking the interplay between our legacy characters. And I'm loving the villains. Mm. Um, and I do think that I was, I was a little bit nervous about the introduction of the Jack Crusher as Picard's son yep. storyline, but I'm feeling a little bit better about it. Um, it's it's still uh, cautiously optimistic is still the phrase that I'm going to use about okay. all of this. Yeah. Okay, no, that's fair. Um, I am moving slightly, ever so slightly, from cautiously optimistic to cautiously pessimistic. Wow. Um, and it's it's only I, I I agree with your overall the 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 joie de vivre of your comments I guess like there there are elements there that I like um, it's honestly these little storytelling things that are really starting to piss me off about this series um, because I see them repeated uh, across one through three um, and they're not present in Lower Decks or Strange New Worlds which is the newer track that we've watched all the way through um, but they do feel like. Uh, uh, they feel like something that's holding back this series. I hope you're going to get into what those storytelling things Absolutely are. Absolutely, we okay, are. Good. We're going to do a similar kind of breakdown to what we did last okay. episode where we go over like our, our overall positive impressions and stuff and then go into some of our criticisms. Um, but yeah, I, I, I liked it a little less than episode one, but huh. definitely still way better than any of season two or most of season one as well. So um, yeah. All right. Cautiously. All right. I'm cautious. I'm, I'm not in the optimistic or pessimistic. I'm right in the middle. If this was a nine point scale, I'm in five right now. Uh, I'm just cautious. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Talk us through like, what were some of the things that just high level observations? Okay, so the, bit, the, the, the highest level one is that um, it felt very, it, it does feel true to continuing the pace that was, that was set in, in episode one. Okay. Um, I didn't mind that. I liked that it was, you know, it, it really did feel like the, the stories were continuing in motion as they were set up and yeah. there wasn't any big shifts or anything like that. It's not like a character went through a, a total 180, although we can talk about Shaw a little bit. Um, and I, I did I did love the introduction of the villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest criticism, and we'll come back to this later, is that the whole let's wait to force John Luke to admit that Jack Crusher is his son felt very forced okay. and hammed to me. I didn't like that at all. Okay. And since that was the major conflict of the episode really mm-hmm. the the villains are kind of showing up and, and laying down some backstory and what have you but it's not really to the level of uh driving that plot forward the the major plot point this episode was uh jack crusher is john luke's son and well and 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 it. the kind of a little bit of his backstory and yeah stuff like that but yeah. um i did like all of the um the tension and everything that was present on the the uh, when Picard and Riker and Jack are trying to like save their asses on the Elios. Yeah, yeah, that section was okay. I like Elio, that. Yeah. Elios, 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 Elios. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and what I what I really liked about that, and I agree with you, like the um, the tone and the 
the pace seems to match a lot from season one. But the the cautious part for me is that that's also what happened with season two. Yes. Where like yeah. the first two episodes, I was really hooked and I was really engaged and there was all that like really cool stuff with the time travel and the Borg Queen and everything like that. Yeah. Like it seemed really good and then it just fell off yeah. the rails. So that's why I'm still cautious. Um, and I, I guess it'll take a couple more episodes for me to firmly land one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but I, I really did like those beginning scenes with, not the right at the beginning, with the, like two weeks later that Jack Crusher also says should have happened months ago. Yeah. There's some continuity. Yeah, there's continuity there, stuff. But, that also bothered me, but yeah. But um, yeah, the 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 Picard-Riker-Crusher things on the, the Bridge of the Elios was... Um, it rhymes. I, I it, it rhymes with all the stuff that Picard and Riker yeah. and the crew used to ha- have, have to, to do, do on yeah. the D or the E, the yeah. Enterprise back in the day. Yeah. But there's so much. It's so much more dire, and there's nothing for them. Like they can't pull it out. Like yeah, they, they rely you know, on someone else to save them. Like, right. Yeah, and and yeah. like if LaForge had been in engineering, they would have like cobbled yeah, together some solution yeah. and they would have survived. But yeah. here it's like, no, everything you've done and even your backup to your backup plan is, is out of commission. Like, yeah. You can't do anything. Yeah. Like the stakes are so much higher. So I really like that they put these characters who really do seem invincible and I know they have plot armor, so like I'm not well, really yeah. concerned that, that Picard See, that, is going to die yeah. in the second episode of the show that is named after him. No, but I mean, they could but, have captured him and then the Titan has to launch a rescue. Like there, there's other ways yeah. they could have gone down like that were still seem plausible. To me, I never felt any of that tension. I was like, oh, they're, they're going to get out of this. Obviously, well, the Titan's yeah, yeah, going to yeah. show up because we're, we're intercutting those scenes with the scene of Seven, you know, berating Shaw and being yes. like, you have to, are you going to let these heroes die? Or are you going to be yeah. a real man and step up? And But the but the, the tension is for the characters. It's not so much for us. Like, I like that's what I mean. Uh-huh. I don't think that there was ever a moment where I doubted that they were going to get out of it. Then, but there was a... Then why have it? <laughs> but because I think it, it did set a tone for the kind of world we're in. This is not... TNG. This is not episodic yeah. television where everything will reset and be fine by the next episode. Like, no, there are real stakes here. Everything is much bigger and grander because it's, you know, cable streaming whatever yeah. television and it's big budget and it's dark and gritty. And I, I, I did, <laughs> I did appreciate that a lot. Okay, that's fair. Um, and that that continues even like I was pretty critical of the Raffi storyline and I'm still pretty critical yeah, of the yeah, Raffi storyline. Yeah. But Sneed. As a villain, even though we see him very briefly, um, that was just incredible. Amazing. I just loved that. He's yeah. so sinister. He's so like perfectly Ferengi. Yeah. But like in a in a totally in a, in a dark, gritty reboot yeah, kind of yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not <laughs> campy. Works. It's not yeah. like I think we were watching. Was it? I can't remember if it was Jesse Gender's video or if it was the Trek Culture video where they they commented on how, you know. Quark was also kind of a douchebag, and yeah, but, but he, he was, was like a lovable douchebag, a lovable yeah. douchebag, as opposed to Sneed, who's yeah. just douche, right? Yeah. So no, and and I uh, there was a thread on Reddit uh, where someone was like, "This is how they should have portrayed the, right. the Ferengi in the very first episode uh, in season one when they mm-hmm. first appeared," and apparently that was kind of the the style they were going for was this kind of like shadowy kind of gangster yeah. capitalist right. kind of set up but it they they changed it as they were going into filming right. and then they wound up with the characters so that we Sneed got but is like almost a, a another hard reboot of the, yes of the it's like how they race. reboot uh rebooted the klingons in right. discovery apparently right. we haven't watched enough of that but um yeah, okay. it feels like this is like yeah this is what the frangie should be and it makes a lot of sense right like they're this 
uh, they're menacing in the sense of they will do anything for profit. They will yeah. step over anybody. It's not, nothing's personal in this. Mm-mm. He's not upset. He still has a good time. He still has that Ferengi, I'm here for a good time, not a long time kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. But he's scary at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why it's scary. It's yeah. like, it's arch capitalism. It's it's literally <laughs> what you feel like, like Elon Musk and uh, Ferengi are like, same level of unhinged, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's you, you can see that connection. I think yeah, that's like what makes it like, and that's why they 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 really couldn't do it in the nineties because no. uh, it was still the era of big government, I guess. But yeah. I mean, I guess Reagan's reforms hadn't totally destroyed everybody yet. But uh, you know, capitalism was still something that had rules. Yeah, and right. we're now in the 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 late, late stage, late, later stage. Yeah. We were already yeah, late yeah. stage, but this is the later stage. Where End stage like, capitalism, hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> but well, but we're like, yeah, the idea that any corporation follows any rules except for the ones that they are absolutely are forced to by yeah. bad publicity yeah. is a joke. Like yeah. nobody, of course, they're in back rooms with shady guys, yeah. you know, drinking bootleg Coke. Yeah. Or what was the name of the drink that? Oh, it was the, uh, I forget the name forget of the, the name. DS9 name, but they had that cola that. Yeah. That they, Sluggo Cola. Something like that. Yeah. 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 That was, that was cool. So yeah. I, I really loved it. Um, I also loved, and this is just for fellow nerds. Uh, this season has a lot of Mass Effect vibes going for it. The little clicky oh, alien yeah, dudes. Yeah. Totally look like Turians. Uh, and this is like, this guy's a shadow broker. Like the yeah. Sneed is just, you know, a, a, a total vibe. And they've even kind of got like the. Uh, I forget the species name now. I've been playing these games so much for the last couple months, but I've forgotten the name of like Barlavon, the the kind of uh, short little dudes who can't breathe in regular atmosphere. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what Sneed reminds mm-hmm. me of as well. He's kind of, kind of this okay. uh, capitalist, but information capitalist yeah. kind of vibe. And it, it really works. I, I love it. And also the, the, the neon planets and stuff look like something straight out of... Mass Vector or Cyberpunk or something. Yeah. I don't want to get into the negatives too much, but I do have some some concerns and qualms about the whole Metallus Prime planet and okay. uh, some of the things that... Um, I like the world building that's going on in these like new Trek series, mm-hmm. but I also have, yeah, some reservations. So we'll come back to that, I think. Yeah. Um, um, so going back to yeah. the other plot line, though, and uh, you you have a note here that I think is really interesting. You like the the dynamic between Picard, Riker, Shaw, and yeah. Seven of Nine when they when they come back onto the ship. Yeah, I mean, it starts with you're right. The the whole um, Seven and Shaw talking before the Titan comes in to like mm-hmm. rescue the the Elios or I don't know. We're gonna pronounce that a hundred different Elias, ways in this episode. Yeah, whatever. The, the, the crusher ship. ship crusher ship um uh the way that 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 happened that was really cool too like mm-hmm. that was really yeah awesome. that was an awesome moment. um but it starts then when when seven kind of chips away at shaw's resolve and then he does save them and then they, they're brought on board and he's not he's never a hundred percent on board with it he doesn't like roll over and acquiesce to everything that Riker and picard are demanding of him but so like i, I have the feeling i i we're going to talk a lot more about Shaw, I think, later on. Yes, but <laughs> um, his moral and ethical compass is solid, and yet he's still swayed by certain arguments that are made, and he still does the quote-unquote right thing in this, like, swashbuckling, piratey, like, adventure story that Picard and Riker have brought to him. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's... I just like that there's that tension within him as well. And I hope that yeah. that plays out. I, my feelings about him have completely changed. Like most people who have been watching this, I think there was a lot of criticism. Even we had 
criticisms of Shaw. Yeah. After the last episode, and now my feelings have changed anyway, so I don't think yours have. Uh, mine have, but not in the same way I think yours have. But okay. but it's fair. I, I I agree. I think that you can see what they're going for mm-hmm. with Shaw's character. They're mm-hmm. trying to give him more to consider beyond oh I'm just a rule following guy who follows mm-hmm. the rules like that's that was kind of yeah. a stick in the first episode yeah. but with like a bit of sass yeah that, that kind of worked but um now they're they're kind of adding these extra dynamics and I can yeah. see where they're they're headed with it yeah um I think he's going to be a very important character by the end of the series yeah. for sure I imagine he will be God damn it. I also really loved Gates McFadden she has no lines in this yeah. In this episode. <laughs> yeah. But she does so much with her like 30 seconds of screen time that I've always loved Gates McFadden mm. and I've always loved Dr. Crusher. She was always one of my favorite characters, but um, she's really great here. And I think the, you know, we, we, we will talk about the Crusher reveal in our dislikes section, but I think um, the fact that Riker says so much. There's so many times when he's like, seriously, seriously, yeah. Jean-Luc, you don't see this. Yeah. And he, he like spends so much energy talking about this problem that Jean-Luc doesn't want to talk about. Yeah. All Beverly has to do is like silently <laughs> look at him, look at him <laughs> yeah. and he knows. And I think there's just so much power in that moment. And it doesn't, it wouldn't have worked if it had been any Anything other pairing yeah. Yeah. or any other actors. Absolutely. It, it has to be, Crusher and Picard yeah and that's such a it was such a gratifying moment even if we don't know the backstory of like how they fell out and and why yeah, Picard doesn't, doesn't know really like matter. we don't it doesn't matter because There's we know just, those di- yeah, the core of those characters yeah, yeah exactly so like all this time has passed but she still is able to command her captain and former lover <laughs> with just one look and no words brilliant yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, I thought the that was by far the coolest moment of the yeah. whole episode is like the end. And then Picard is like back in the swing. Yeah. Like, it, like it all takes, again, and I mentioned this last episode, his character comes to life mm-hmm. around the original cast. And it, it is very yeah. true here. And yeah. uh, he falls into being the captain again. Yeah. Um, I have problems with that too. But at the same time, when that moment hits, I'm like, yeah, yeah. you do it. Nerd, Admiral, like- nostalgia, loving Aiden loved that moment. <laughs> Along with everybody else, yeah, who's exactly. A weird nostalgia lover. Well, but yeah. even just like within the 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 plot they'd structured sure. it, yeah. it made sense, right? It's like yeah. he's going to admit it and he's going to find his swagger because he he's back in the yeah back in the captain's seat. Yeah. yeah, but he's not. But we'll deal with that. Um, yeah, I I I thought the other really great reveal, uh, and I think we agree on this, was uh, Vedic oh, as God. the the bad guy. Yes, Amanda uh, Plummer yeah. is like unreal, right? Good afternoon. I believe it is afternoon in Soul System. <laughs> yeah, she's like she doesn't get much screen time, but obviously you don't need much when you're a, no. literally a cigar smoking villain. Like, yeah, like like they gave her just the right amount of of ham that she can like spread it around evenly. Yeah, and it provides a nice tasty layer. <laughs> I don't know where I'm what going with this. Weird <laughs> that is a weird, strange thing to say, yeah. but that is I'm sticking with it because. She like I think it was the uh, Sean Farragut Trek culture was like you know she could have gone a little further and it would have been too much yeah um, but she didn't she did, she handled it just right it actually reminded me a lot of Christopher Plummer I was just gonna say yeah so there there's swinging in the chair yes, and stuff yeah totally so like yeah there's not a, as much like scenery chewing as there might have been in like the high culture Shakespearean plumber esque right yeah but but we're still plumber. getting plumber esque <laughs> um like savage 
giddiness yeah i guess yeah and she just she's she's again like sneed just so unhinged but like there's a restraint to it that also like she knows she throws a fucking ship at the titan yeah like i've never seen anybody use a tractor beam in that way i don't even know if that's possible if anybody else it's it's a waste of a ship because like obviously your shields are gonna prevent it from hurting you but shaw didn't have the shields up at that point yeah so uh, that which is also doesn't make a lot of sense but either way (laughs) um the 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 one thing that bothered me about that scene yep when they when she did throw the ship like mm. the it just took me out a little bit of this brilliant moment of of here's a villain who's doing something and doing it in, with such in such a way we've never seen this before right and then you have like Sydney LaForge being like uh dropping all these knowledge bombs and being like yeah, yeah I'm yeah, a LaForge yeah. right yeah, and yeah. it's like oh um, yeah. it that just, was a it just, awkward, yeah. yeah, like it felt very forced. juvenile yeah. and forced. Yeah. 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 Of course, if, uh, Anson LaForge hadn't had a father who was the greatest engineer, <laughs> second greatest engineer, of course, right, right, of right. all time. Yes. Uh, yes. Lindsay, where would Anson LaForge have gone oh. to brush up on their skills? Absolutely. We <laughs> should do our, our episode sponsor. Today's yes. episode is, uh, sponsored by the in-universe, um, knowledge gathering and dispersing it's It's accomplishment allotment (laughs) get it like skillshare yeah it's like skillshare are you ready to boldly waste your time on yet another online learning platform then look no further than accomplishment allotment with aa not that aa this aa (laughs) you can explore a galaxy of classes and learn skills that they just might not teach you at the academy from learning the ferengi rules of acquisition with how to never make any friends or endear yourself to anyone ever very popular with klingons to redshirt retirement planning always lots of space left in that course to every engineer's dream how to fix your defective warp drive with bailing wire and self-sealing stem bolts You'll find it on Accomplishment Allotment. The beauty of Accomplishment Allotment is that you can take your courses with you no matter where you are. Stuck inside a Class 3 nebula for two weeks trying to outmaneuver your pursuers? Pass the time with a class or two on how to knit a cozy Klingon sweatshirt. Did the replicators go down before your big date with the hottie and hydroponics? Why not try a one-on-one distance learning session on Delta Quadrant Dietary Desirables with Ambassador Neelix and get things off to an interesting start? There are academy prep courses available for the newbies taught by Starfleet legends as well. Horticultural do's and don'ts with Boothby. I fell in love with a holodeck character and you can too with Commander Reginald Broccoli. I mean Barkley. There's even something for you educational professionals. If you need to fill the awkward 10 minutes at the end of your lecture on interspecies reproduction without propositioning attractive members of the audience to help you with your empirical research on the subject, throw literally any video onto the lecture hall's projector. It's that easy. Starfleet Academy students who sign up will automatically get access to an abundance of exclusive content at no extra charge. Just provide your student ID at the time of sign up. Soon you too will be able to wing it just like the pros in about any subject you can think of. All with accomplishment allotment. Sign up today. Thank you. Thank you for the (laughs) rousing applause. That was that was good. The red shirt uh, retirement plan, yeah, I that, think, is, is that, a good one. That was that was definitely the best. Um, yeah, that's just that, there's no such class. <laughs> no, well, there is, but it's just no one is no one ever ever makes, no makes it that far, which is fine. Um, <laughs> wow, that's great. Thank you, Lindsay. No, you're welcome. Um, returning to our 
likes for this episode. Mm-hmm. Worf reveal. In his cozy Klingon sweater. It was. Right? It was. Yes. I'm sure it had chainmail underneath. Probably. But anyways, probably. Uh, this, wow. His, yeah. His reveal. Uh, it was predictable. Like you, yeah. you, I thought you were brilliant coming up with Worf. Everybody, oh, everybody on the internet. Came up with it, I yeah, think. I, yeah. I'm just stupid is the point of that story. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Worf is her, her handler, shows up, stabs some dudes. Um, my biggest problem with this scene, he cuts off snake, snap, sneep. Oh my God. How do you forget that? I forget. Sneed? Seriously. Sneed. Sneed's head cuts it right off. This is the dude who has the information you're looking for and you cut off his head. His head couldn't cut off an arm, couldn't stab him lightly in the leg so he doesn't run anywhere. No, Worf just cuts off the guy's head. There's we'll a reason get, for it, no, I'm I, sure. No, no, this is just, just annoying. It doesn't it, matter if he off. does it all to the Klingon theme song. Yeah, that was the best part. Well, and again, I think they, they filmed it in such a way like, you know, Rafi's taken drugs that Sneed has made her take. Yeah. And, um... So she's kind of like the camera is hazy because her eyesight is hazy and she's losing her sense of her surroundings. So we get this like figure who comes in and and I don't know if the film, if the, if the filmmaker, how do you, director, director, whatever, um, (laughs) thought we did, we wouldn't have figured it out. Yeah. And and then played it up that way. Or if they were just like, being coy with it yeah but um it was so obvious yeah i i there was a really good red another reddit thread i've been doing a lot of browsing on the star trek subreddit yeah. since this uh season started and there was a good thread about like it felt like they were milking the reveals oh yeah yeah on both sides and i feel like Worf's was a little more earned uh i agree uh and we'll, we'll talk about uh jack but uh, I, but i do think the reveal of like jack's reveal was you say it was sort of interesting I I I I get what they were going for. Yeah. I didn't I didn't follow along and I didn't care when it happened. The only thing that made it cool was the fact that it was Crusher and Picard looking at each other uh, from across a room and being like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. he's my dad. He's my he's my boy." Yeah. Uh, that part fine. Okay. It didn't take an hour to get there, but but we'll get into that right away. When was the last time you even spoke to my mother? Ask yourself. Is there anybody you know who is still the person you knew? Or have you planted roots in your vineyard while everybody else moved on? Who is your father? I never had one! Yeah, because we're going to jump right into the characterization (laughs) of Jack Crusher that you had problems with. Uh, It's not so much... I like his character, Mm -hmm. uh, and I like how they've set him up. They did it twice in the same episode, though, which is my... It was just a a redundancy issue for me. Uh. Because uh, they had that first scene where it's two weeks earlier when it should have been months, probably. Yeah. Um, and he, you show him being the the swashbuckling Han Solo with a heart of gold type yeah. character. Fine. That's great. I liked that introduction. I was like, OK, yeah, now we're getting a little bit. He's obviously going to be an important character in the season. Let's learn a little bit about him. Mm-hmm. Then in the Brig scene, he he reemphasizes the exact same thing. Um, so you like he literally says yeah well we did this but we were trying to help these guys and like yeah. oh yeah well the, you know medicine needs currency and we had to trade in weapons and it's like yeah we just we saw that already. But like it was not needed you didn't need both scenes no, and I, I feel like it was it would have been better to just have the Picard scene because then you learn at the I, same time as Picard I disagree okay. and, I, and I think it's because showing the the initial scene seems to be from um Jack Crusher at a more naive stage of his journey. Two weeks so, ago? Well, I think it, like you said, it should have been 
you know, this is at the start of being pursued by these people. So whenever that is, he doesn't know who those people are and he hasn't been in that, in like been pursued. So the, so the, so the naivete mm, that, that he carries with him, even though he is playing this like swashbuckling character, um, is interesting. And that's, that's an interesting perspective to see. Then when we get the scene in the brig with Picard, it's not for our benefit that we're having this explained. It's for Picard's benefit. And I think that that, because now it's coming from Crusher, who is slightly more aware and slightly more wise about what's going on. Not wise in, like, he knows more about what's what's happening to him. Yeah. And, and, and he realizes the danger that he's in. And there's a lot of frustration and anger. And obviously, some of that is directed at Picard, because I think Jack knows that Picard is his father. And yep. so there's that, that buildup I think was deserved, mm-hmm. even if I don't know why they fell out and we don't know the, like, that confrontation is still, was still worth it, I think. Yeah, and I, I and I think that that totally. was, um, that's why I didn't have such a problem with it. I understand where you're coming from, that you don't need to do that twice. Like you could tell or you could show and here they did both, but I feel like there was a purpose to, because now we're revisiting those moments with Jack Crusher, but from a, a perspective of like increased knowledge and wisdom and time has passed. And Rebuttal. He's been doing this his whole life, apparently. He's not a, a naive kid in those two weeks earlier sure. or two months earlier, whenever it was supposed to be. No. He was he still, but I think, he, nothing's changed. He's still no, a no, good no, no, guy no. who's no. going to go sacrifice himself. No. No, I disagree because this is a new villain that nobody has seen. And even he's baffled as to why this villain is chasing him. So I think there is a naivete that he's walking into with these Fenris Rangers at the beginning that he he doesn't know what's coming. He literally doesn't know. Yeah, okay, he's been drug running or med running or whatever with his mom for however long. But they've never been up against somebody like this. Like, who is this person? What do they want with me? Yeah, what level are they? What and so, are they going so I think to, yeah. that is at the beginning. He doesn't know. He still doesn't know at the end. But it colors the beginning a little bit more. And it and I do, I do think it shows that there's still that thread of I'm a good guy. Right. He's I'm going to trade these meds and I'm going to make things better for you, even though it's questionably moral. I'm going to sacrifice myself to save my mother, even though I've done all these questionably moral things, I'm going to step up and do the right. Like, I just feel like there's, it It, serves more of a purpose. I think I'm giving it a little bit more leeway than you are. That's all. No, and that's, that's fine. And like, again, I can, I can see what they were going for, but the whole problem is it's complete. The whole, every interaction between Jack and Picard and therefore Jack and everybody else, and therefore Picard and everybody else as well, is that they're dancing around the fact that everybody knows that they're sure. father and son. Yeah. So you're waiting the whole episode for Picard to face this. And meanwhile, you as the audience have already internalized it. And so is Riker, and so is probably 79. So is the fucking computer that beamed them over. So th- this is my biggest problem with this episode, was uh, Picard dancing around Jack's status as his son, um, especially because it seems so entirely out of character for uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, who had already experienced this in season seven, episode 22, I think, uh, Bloodlines of TNG, where he was literally like, oh, you have a son, you should go meet him. Meets his son, and he's like, oh, shit, yeah, you're my son, we should probably try and figure this out. You know, it took a quick DNA test, which would have been done by the computer when they beamed him over. See, 
No, no. Let me finish. Okay, all right, there there all right. are so many problems. So you have this Picard who, yes, it's a different emotional situation. It's Beverly. It's it's something different. He hasn't, he's being blindsided again, but I mean, he really shouldn't be. Um, so it is, it is, everybody else is aware of this. The audience is aware of it. All the other characters are aware, aware of it. Picard is aware of it, but doesn't want to face the truth. So that's fine. That's fine. I am fine with that. Do something with it. Actually have Picard confide in Riker. Confide and say, like, I don't know what to do. This this boy is my son, obviously. We've got eight episodes left. Give it some time to breathe. No, no. <laughs> this is the problem. No. This took up the whole episode, and it didn't need to, because that is not... No, th- see, there is nothing see, to gain out of this see, episode. I think this is one of those episodes that we are going to look back on later on in the series, I hope, and see meaning in it because what the picard the picard in bloodlines is not the same picard that is sitting across from jack crusher in the bridge on the titan a okay this is a this is a picard who has accepted the fact that his bloodline is going to end because renee picard died in the fire at the beginning of um sure generations so he's made peace with that he's moved on and 25 years have gone by yeah. And now he's faced with not only the fact that he's wasted 25 years of getting to know his child, 25 years of potential bliss, I guess, of some sort with Beverly Crusher, 25 years of building the legacy that he doesn't think he needs, but obviously is going to be introduced to and, and come around to by the end of this series. I think that that is what blindsides him. And yeah, we know, Riker knows, everybody else knows so the have him that, fucking deal with the it. fact that he have takes him? the fact that he takes all episode or two episodes to figure this out is something that yeah it's been about two hours in the show's timeline since this happened i'm sure the next episode will have him deal with it but right now they're facing down the shrike and a, and a crazy bitch behind the <laughs> the the controls I think there are more pressing things than for him to have a heart to heart with his number one about how he feels about like that would you would be pissed off with that. You'd be like, why are they taking time to talk about this when they've got this other thing to deal with? I think you're just looking for reasons to be mad. No, I'm not mad. I just don't like it. It, it didn't it didn't ring well, true to me and it didn't it didn't. Fine. It was again, there, there was there was something they could have used the dramatic irony, essentially, of having the audience know and Picard not and done, done something like interesting with it. Like I don't what? I don't know. I, I'm not a Hollywood writer. I think that... No, I know you're not, and neither am I, but I, I do think they are doing something interesting with it. I think this is building on the characterization of a nearly 100-year-old Picard coming to grips with the fact that, holy shit, I have a son. Holy shit, my life... I haven't where, taught him anything. That? I haven't where, done anything. Where is that? Where in is the, that in the episode? In the... the there is one specific moment where Picard, it's written on his face. There are no words spoken, but everything on Patrick Stewart's face when he grimaces and realizes, when he finally accepts that Jack Crusher is his son, the thing that he's been avoiding all episode, he knows it in his heart to be true, but he accepts it in that moment. And there is such pain and resignation and everything written on his face because Patrick Stewart is that gifted an actor. You didn't see that? You didn't it, notice that? It didn't, it didn't, str- I mean, yes, that, that's what, maybe, and maybe this is just a problem of execution more than anything. Um, I knew that's what I'm supposed to feel. Didn't feel it. Okay. Well, that's because I think this comes down to your style as a writer. You would want to tell people what's going on by having a conversation about it. And I think that in the medium of television, that 
two second look on on Picard's it's, face is yeah, enough to show it, us it, and I think in can. five episodes we're going to look back on that and we're going to see that as the beginning of a moment of growth we've got 10 hours of TV that we have to to let this story grow and breathe and become what it's going to become I think we need to just not be so critical no I'm going to be a critic that's what we're here to do we're here to criticize it and I, I <laughs> it's fine it's fine I I again I I'm I'm totally with it I just felt like it was it was it was unearned it felt like a betrayal oh, of the character i think I, it's I just... absolutely earned and i think it i think it's it's a great um it's the most character growth we've seen from jean-luc picard in the entirety of picard um season one two oh. and three up to this point i'll grant you that because there was none i know i know <laughs> this is what should have been from season one there should have been something like this and there wasn't yeah i feel like all the character growth quote unquote that we saw in one and two was unearned this feels very earned because it's something that Picard has struggled with for all of the entirety of the next generation from not liking kids through the kind of quasi adoption of Wesley Crusher to um, coming around to the idea that he's not going to have like his family line is going to end with him. All of this is, is like uh, this is the real meat and potatoes of Picard and his commitment issues and everything that I guess they have like danced around in the last two seasons, but yeah, it's coming to fruition here, and I think that's it's going to be a much more. I hope it will be a much more important thing. I I, I guess we'll we'll find out. We'll find out. I mean, I I I I don't disagree that it's it's a nice shift for the character. And again, that one moment of Picard and and Crusher catching eyes and and transmitting the knowledge. Yeah, it does. That moment itself works fine. Yeah. Um, it is undercut by my next complaint, uh, <laughs> which is when Picard like he has this moment with Crusher and he's like, he's my son. I'm going to protect him. And he takes over the bridge. Um, yeah. and he's like issuing orders and being like Admiral's prerogative or whatever mm-hmm. he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is just completely undercut by the fact that Shaw's actually still in charge. Like if I, I wrote this in a comment on Reddit where I was like, if he could have like reinstated himself, he's like, you know what? I'm out of retirement. I'm an Admiral again. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to fucking listen to me. Of course they can't do that because then that would have been the solution to the problem in the first episode. Yeah. So they, and that, that's really the problem with my, my problem with Shaw's whole situation is it's, it's very vacillatory between is Picard in charge Mm -hmm. or is Picard, should he be in the bridge because, or in the brig because he's hijacked a shuttle and, and broken all these other rules and, and commit and, you know, gotten seven of nine to, to break, break other rules and stuff like that. Like it's very inconsistent about their, their dynamic back and forth. Yeah. Um, I'll agree with you. And, and so th- that moment was undercut because he starts issuing these orders and then you look to Shaw to actually do it. And it's like, well, either make him the captain again and go for it and yeah. give him the cast and the crew and put him back on the bridge and have him solve a problem like, he, you know, he can or don't. And they, they're still in this middle ground. And that really, really bothered me about that because yeah. I wanted to be in, invested in that in that moment. I wanted to be able to in, savor it and know that, yes, this is my Picard coming back to kick some ass and yeah. get them out of the way. And then Shaw's like, oh, dang, I guess we got to guess do we got to go fire some photons. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, OK. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess it's it's hard to to do anything different given Picard's status as a retired admiral, which they established like from the beginning of season one. Yeah. Like you can't really, I don't know how you go back on that. He's never had command of his own ship briefly, the La Serena. And yeah, like, I guess. Yeah. But even then, it wasn't really his ship. It was always Rios' ship. Um, so 
yeah, they, they again, they've been kind of dancing around the whole, we need to have Picard in command. And even, I think it was Crusher last episode who said that um, people will rem- people only remember you with one less pip on your collar yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is true. Like, that's who we want to see. But then to, like, make him a retired admiral giving those orders, like, engage. It's like... Yeah, it kind of feels it. That's the fan service part that I don't like. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not it's, it's fan service. It's just yeah, it's fan service that doesn't actually result in anything. Yeah, it's it's uh, erectile dysfunction fan service. Yeah, it's like it's. I couldn't like think of the, the word for that. No, but it, it's like it's like having a <laughs> impotent. Sorry, <laughs> erectile dysfunction. You, you went from impotent to erectile dysfunction. Impotent. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. That's that's funny. Um, sorry. <laughs> and I lost my train of thought yeah, entirely. I totally interrupted you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Coitus interrupts us <laughs> right there with the impotent. <laughs> I don't know how impotent that works. Impotent fan service. Okay. Oh, God. Let's move on to our next one, which is uh, Raffi's yeah. character. Um, I'm enjoying the Raffi plotline. I know, I'm Lindsay, not. you're not. Um, and I kind of get it. Like, it is kind of just there. And and I feel like Worf was the most interesting part of that plotline. Sure. Yeah. But the bigger problem is Raffi's character itself. Um the scene with her ex in particular is just way too fast and way too much information being dumped into this character again. Yeah. Um, that from season one, you kind of forgot because they didn't do anything with it. They didn't do anything two. with it. And well, not only in season two, but like even in season one, it was yeah. kind of there. And then she was, she was okay again. And as long as she was around Picard, it's all this right. This is and what I mean about Rafi's character. It feels like they want to do something with her, but they haven't. And they missed so many opportunities with her to, to do what they're doing now in season two. Yeah. It would have made much more sense to have it in here to have more of this in season three but it just feels like we're rehashing the same shit that we've well, been doing all along it's with like her the, character. the writers came in and they're like okay so we have this great actress she's coming back for season three what do we know about the character oh she used to be a drug addict doom Perfect. that's her, that's that's her whole character there and she gets yeah. mad all the time done that's her whole thing yeah and then they just and every scene has just followed this know, very limited she's, scope she's of a tropey. character that's yeah. that's what really bothers me yep. and and it's what because she is put on this like random planet that feels so disconnected from every other planet we've ever seen and that's not my my gripe with this is not that we're seeing other planets and and that they're building out this galaxy and this world i don't mind that but her storyline feels completely grafted onto the rest and i know it's going to connect in some way or i really 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 hope it does um I don't think it can't like it has to connect right but right now for the last two episodes it has been just this dark dismal cyberpunky kind of planet that is just so outside the realm of anything else we've seen maybe that one episode of tng where they're trying to figure out what happened when picard died yeah yeah he was he was was going undercover or whatever yeah he got captured by the the guy with the slave collars on people and stuff yeah um but like this this just it feels like all of this is just a an excuse and a pretty poor one to give Rafi some kind of storyline and it's not earned like you have it written right here that there's too much flesh added on too quickly and I 100% (laughs) agree with that like it's not it's not a natural growth it's it's a cancerous growth yeah and it again it comes back to 
ultimately my point the the problem isn't even the story itself although it is there it's mm-hmm. it's these weird character beats they're forcing Raph yeah. to go through where every scene she's in it's an emotional roller coaster you know yeah. she meets her husband or ex-husband and yes. she's like I oh you. I love you I'm I, so I love sad. our son but can you help me with this investigation I'm doing it's really important and he just like no I have to make you have to make a final choice between your family or your career and you know what you did last time you really fucked it up and it's like whoa yeah. okay that's, this feels this, like a continuation of an argument that they've had a hundred times we haven't seen it but they're just going to rehash it all entirely in 30 seconds and then we're supposed to feel something yeah and it doesn't work it there's no connection to it and it's again it raffi's the worst for this but seven of nine i have to say is also very similar like when she gets stressed down by shaw it's like well i was doing you know she's like i'm sticking up obviously for my you know the people i know and stuff like and he's he's just berating her for it Mm -hmm. and it's like and then he's he's demoting her you're you're confined to quarters or whatever and yeah. then she's not confined to quarters because she has to go save jack or stop jack from using the transporter yeah and it's like well which one is it like like because it's supposed to be oh that's that shows seven such a badass that she so- she can go out of her quarters when she's confined to quarters and it's like no that's just terrible writing why would you confine her to quarters if, if, if you two scenes her- later you're going to need her to this do is, something different this is the problem i think that um rafi and seven are not ever going to be main characters but the show so desperately wants them to be and yet can't give them more than like two and a half dimensions to exist in (laughs) two right two and a half is well yeah i I mean i'm trying to be metaphorical here (laughs) no no but because they're not they're not quite two-dimensional there is some depth there but it's just not enough yeah and it's and they're not they're not doing enough yet with these characters to make me care about the storylines that they're part of and i feel like they're very one note characters yeah and that and that becomes the issue with every scene they're in is that you know they're going to go on some one of these emotional arcs in in 45 seconds yep and you don't want to go with them. No, nope. I, I don't. I don't. Every time they're on screen, I'm like, oh, what is she going to be upset about now? And how is she going to resolve it by, you know, someone deus ex machining her information or, you know. Yeah. And like and not every one of those those scenes that they're in has to be life or death. Yeah. Massive states. Yeah, it, it is. And so I've, I've written this in notes, Lindsay. I have a long winded diatribe here. Um, Love it. Listeners, give me about if you want to skip two and a half minutes, that's probably about how long this will take. Um, so in. There is a great video on Vox. We will link to it in the description. It is uh, why you can't understand anything anybody says yes. in television and movies anymore. Yes. Um, and it has to do, basically, there was a decision made by studios. Um, somewhere. Somewhere. Probably Christopher Nolan is the most to blame. His movies are the worst for this. But basically, they they decided that um, they wanted the explosions in movies, especially movies, to be much louder they 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 want to they want to shock you with the ex- mm-hmm. sound of the explosion. Mm-hmm. The only way you can do that is by like there's only a, so much volume available in the theater. Yeah. So if they, they're going to max that out with the explosion, all the other elements in the in the sound mix have to be smaller. So you have to have people talking quieter. The music has to be softer. Yeah. Everything has to be lower down in the mix. It has to be yeah. quieter overall. Mm-hmm. So that means you can't understand anything anybody's saying most of the time. That's mm-hmm. why we all list, watch most shows with subtitles. Even mm-hmm. Star Trek, I'm, I'm watching it with subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is nobody actually cares that the explosions have to be that much louder than everything yeah, else. I don't want the explosions to be louder. Nobody does. No. And we want to be able to understand people when yes, they're talking. That's more important than when you blow up a ship. But the studios have made this decision and they then yes. they're sticking to it. And it's it is a bad one. It is a yes. bad decision. Nobody likes it. No. Um and the a similar kind of uh decision has been made in terms of creating the 
arcs for these characters. Not everything, not every scene needs to be a nail-biting scene about mm-hmm. life or death and mm-hmm. whether or not Rafi sees her family ever again. Yeah. That yeah. is not necessary yeah. for that scene to happen. Yeah. She didn't need to meet with her husband at all. In fact, it makes no sense that she's still in touch with her husband and that her husband is some black market art yeah. artist. Yeah. He's mad at her for being a bad guy, but yet he can get an introduction with Sneed yeah. on a moment's notice. Yeah. Like, what the it fuck? Makes, it makes no makes fucking no sense. sense. And it's just, it's, it's, it's shoehorned bad. drama. Yes. And I don't, un- you're right. I don't understand why they do that. But so what does all, it, all shows these days yeah, do this? You're it right. is, it is, it is. You called the, you blamed Matt Weiner for it. Yeah. Last I mean, episode. yeah. And, and it, I think this is just an extension of that same argument. And I don't know when it started, but you're absolutely right. And I guess, I guess there's a certain, here's my, so, so this is going to be a much longer diatribe. <laughs> I hope people who skip to this point aren't mad, but, um, cause we're still talking about this. Yeah. Um, Everybody always says when you're writing, and this is something you've probably heard it in writing classes that you've taken, that you want to write the the important things. You want to write yeah. the things that advance the plot. Um, you don't need to write that they got up and crossed the room and opened the door. You don't have to write every moment. Yeah. But sometimes it's nice to write a moment where people are just sitting down and taking a breather. Or sometimes it's nice to write a moment where it's just a simple conversation. Yeah. Not every conversation needs to... You can advance the plot without introducing all this melodrama into it, right? This is not a soap opera. That's what it is. This feels like a soap opera. Yes. Everything is is, like Guiding Light or (laughs) Young and the Restless. GH. It is, it is a hundred. It's yeah. It's every scene has to be dramatic and and it's just not true. The, some of the best moments in my favorite shows are either a moment of comedic relief. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they kind of had this in Picard season one, even like, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, the captain of the Rios, yeah, yeah Rios, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. he he was great. He had great moments yeah. of comedic relief. Uh, that was well paced and it worked for the character. Yeah, give Rafi something funny. Like she's gonna yeah. meet a Ferengi. Like why not have an amazingly hilarious exchange there that yeah. then goes wrong? Like yeah. you know, like she slips up halfway through like a witty back and forth yeah. between Sneed. Totally. It just it makes it makes no sense that they they yeah. just have to keep hammering the the have drama her, button. Have her meet up with Morn because apparently he's one of the <laughs> that was one of the best Easter eggs right? of all time. That Morn he's, is an associate, he's an associate of Sneed, which makes yeah, sense. Yeah, let's have her have a conversation with the famously talkative Morn and oh, see where that goes. She could just talk his ear off, like she could just do all the talking in the scene. Let her choose some scenery of it to just be right? a hilarious scene with her but, and Morn. But no, they have to have it be. And, and that's the other like small universe type thing that yeah. that Star Trek falls into a lot. Star Wars, does, like all oh, of Star these. Star Wars is much worse, but yeah, it's like everybody they meet is somebody they know, and yeah. and and the person that they need, the person that they know, is like five minutes away by shuttle, and so it's Very like yeah. right, even though you've got light years to deal with, yeah, it just feels very artificially dramatic and um convenient and i don't think it's enjoyable i think that's one of the big things you're right that that has bothered me i'm glad that we had this conversation and then to discuss her storyline itself that also made no sense to me lizzie I, we only watched the episode once so maybe if i watch that scene again I, i'd be able to understand this but correct me if i'm wrong Worf, as Handler says, we we think we know who found who used the device. It's yeah. this Romulan guy named Talaro. They they haven't. So she knows that it's Toluco. Toluco. She knows that it's Toluco. How do they? She, I wasn't clear on this whether <laughs> she was bringing up the information on Toluco or whether Worf was sending her the information on Toluco. Yeah, but I understood this, or at least I think you could understand this as Worf, her handler, saying we know who the um, 
who the suspect is. Toluco. To, no, we know who it is. And Rafi assumes it's Toluco and goes after uh, Sneed. But that they actually know that it goes much higher than that. And so she rushes in blindly because that's what Rafi does. Okay. And fucks up a much larger investigation that Worf was already on Metallus Prime getting ready to do. To do. Right? That, that, that makes more sense. I Which mean, explains why he's there. Because yeah. he's waiting to ambush Sneed or whatever. And then he sees Raph and he's like, God damn it. Like, I told you not to engage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. That would make more sense. Because I had a bunch of questions about like, how did, like, she just gave like this diatribe about like Toluco and Sneed. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm like, well, if you already knew Sneed was the dealer why of did you have to the do portal all gun. Yeah. Why yeah. did you, why were you not just pursuing that avenue from the very beginning? Why were you looking for a red lady and all this other shit? Like, yeah. it made, it made zero sense to me what yeah, and the, was going and, on and there. The, and it was I just, mean, it was so obvious that the Toluco guy was going to be like a red herring thrown in yeah. there because it was a news agency that reported it. And I'm like, that, yeah, that's never that going to happen. Yeah. That, that the, the public is going to know who this is, yeah. but yet Rafi, who's undercover, isn't. Yeah. She, I think I think she's <laughs> making a lot of assumptions. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe Sneed isn't as involved and Worf just followed her to make sure she was going to be survive. survive. I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out, but I don't think it ends with Sneed. I think he's still pretty low level on, on the, yeah, the rung. It's, it's possible. You know? Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause my big problem is they cut off his head and now they have no access to the information. If he was really a promising lead that Rafi was going to yeah. go find. Yeah. I, it, just, it seems like such a big disconnect. Which, which just... maybe is why he got his head chopped off because Worf knows well, there's nothing he's, he's small potatoes. We can, he's yeah, we can expendable. Expendable. Yeah. Right? So. Sure. Fair. I told you, do not engage. It's time for our Bix Redix Predicts. <laughs> uh, this weekly section where we uh, make something up about what's come. Uh, Lindsay, I'll let you go first. Um, your prediction last week, of course, about Worf. Yeah. Uh, bang on. Yeah. Uh, my Borg one has not yet come true. Um, and so far it doesn't seem like everything's in the matrix, although, uh, that is still a possibility. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. sure. Uh, Lindsay, we should have like a stats thing or like with the probability of this actually <laughs> yeah, happening. Yeah, we should assign a number yeah. to it for sure. <laughs> um, well last week, I think in keeping with, with, uh, maybe I backed myself into a corner here, but I think I'm going to do like a really ridiculous prediction. And then I think like a more legit one, cause my okay. more legit one came true. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm I'm one for one. Yeah, keep on it up. that. Yeah, my ridiculous it. predictions have not come true, but yes. I still think there's possibility. So, um, I think my most ridiculous prediction. We've got um, um, Jack Crusher being the child of legacy characters, beloved legacy characters. Vatic is going to be the child of some beloved legacy character. Maybe a clone of a, lo- of a beloved. Maybe she's Picard and Beverly's daughter as well. That just the aging process. Something went wrong in the gene splicing or or whatever. I don't know. Okay. okay. I do not actually think that will come true, but wouldn't it be funny that if it did? That would be pretty wild, yeah. Yeah. But I just think, you know, having calling, bringing back the, or bringing to the show, the daughter of a legendary uh, villain. It'd be pretty cool. It would be pretty, it'd be very meta. Yeah. I would like, I would like to see that. My wilder prediction. Yeah. Uh, is that, is actually in a, a similar mind, is that okay. uh, she is the child of Moriarty 
and uh, the woman that he went oh, off into the, the thing little with. cube thing with? Yeah. Mm. They, and then her program yeah. was, she has like a mobile emitter or something, or yeah, she, yeah, her yeah. whole ship is filled with okay. hollow projectors. Yeah. And uh, she can now move and exist in the real world, which is how we'll also find Moriarty, I think. Um, and yeah, that'll be, so that's her backstory. Okay. And that's where she's coming from. That's See, my kind of wild my, one. My, yeah. like, actual legitimate prediction yep. also has to do with Moriarty. Okay. And I, I do think that Moriarty will come back in some form as, like, I don't think he's going to be, like, the begetter of villains. Yeah. But I do think he is going to have something to do with her, but on the, the hero side. I think they're, they're going to have to go oh, okay. to Moriarty um, and possibly Laura as well. To get help. To get help, and that that Vatic might be some kind of, because didn't they mention that there were some kind of photonic emissions or something coming from yeah, the ship? Yeah, there was a, there was some form of something in yeah. there. And I so guess, I don't yeah. think it's it's a stretch to think that she might be some kind of hologram, or that this might be some kind of artificial, you know, thing. Thing. Yep. Um, that would be very in keeping. If that's the case, I hope the Doctor comes back because that yeah, would be that amazing. Would be really Voyager's awesome. Doctor. Yeah. Um, but I think that. Um, the technology that they used to trap Moriarty and his girlfriend mm-hmm. in that little cube on Barkley's desk. Yeah. Um, that's pretty insane tech. Yeah. And if that isn't like they would, mm, yeah, they're, they're going to have to go to him for some, for something because he's been living in that world and, and maybe he, he's, he knows able, something or something. Yeah, yeah. or maybe yeah, yeah. she's also part of something like that. I think my legitimate prediction is <laughs> like more like your ridiculous prediction, <laughs> but, but I do think there is something to that. Okay. And it, and it does come back to that photonic emission or whatever they called it that, that they could sense or that they picked up from, from the Shrike. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. My uh, real prediction-ish is, again, a similar one to the Borg, actually, last week. It's just a high-level thing. I think Wesley's coming back again. Oh. I think you can't do a Crusher no. and Picard-driven series without their original son, uh, <laughs> Wesley, coming back. Are you, st- you still think Picard is, is Wesley's dad? No, not really. Oh, but okay. I, 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 Well, I mean, surrogate, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there was an interesting post, again, on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Someone's like, what if they're after Jack because they know that the Crusher dreams <gasps> make for really good traveler prospects? Oh. And they want to capture them in order to use him as some sort of human computer or something Ooh. like that. That was a, that was an interesting thing. I like that, and, and I kind of like it. But I also kind of just that just yeah. made me think, like, uh, yeah, I think we're well, getting Wesley again. The fact that he was brought back in the last episode of season two, yeah, and then nothing was mentioned again. Although um, Will Wheaton did say, like, the way he's been talking about it makes it seem like he's not. But Andrew Garfield did that yeah. for Into yeah. the Spider Verse, yeah. so. Or whatever the one was. Yeah, yeah. No Way Home. No Way Home? Whatever. Yeah. The whatever. most Spider Man one, one yeah, where Spider-Man. he was in yeah. recently with yeah. all the other Spider Man. Yeah. Spider Man? Spider Man. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's possible, he's an actor. Right? That's what he does. He yeah, acts. he lies. So, it could be <laughs> for a living. <laughs> yeah. It could be that he's coming back in a more. They did have a photo of him on Crusher's desk in the first episode. Yes. That was something that, that cool. again, because some decision was made to make everything very, very dark on screen, you can't always see these details, but. Nope. That is, uh, that's how it goes. That's how, that's how it goes. Big Slog, start date 5298.2. 
It is a truth universally acknowledged that any Starfleet officer in command of a retrofit of a classic ship previously captained by a legacy character must be in want of literally any mission that doesn't put their ship in abject peril five minutes into their first minute of screen time. It happened to Captain Harriman. It kinda, sorta, in a backwards way, because time travel was like that, happened to Captain Garrett, and now it's happened to Captain Shaw. I'm not sure I, for one, can blame him for his reaction to having his ship unceremoniously boarded by this retired admiral and commandless captain, known for swashbuckling their way across the galaxy from one explosive adventure to another. But in this household, reaction to his reaction, and to his characterization in general, has been mixed. It should come to you as no surprise that Chief Petty Officer Aiden and I just don't see eye to eye on this very pressing issue. What's the deal with Captain Liam Shaw? So, Aiden, what? What do you, what, what's, what's the deal? Okay, but so what do you, what here's do you my response. Yeah. I don't fucking know. And that's my problem with <laughs> okay, it. Okay, all right. Is that right. he is wildly inconsistent. Yeah, okay. He is, he is a by the books. I'm going to flip the finger at you when you come on board my ship, and I'm going to do nothing of what you want. Yeah. To, okay, yeah, let's go into the Nebula mm-hmm. an, an episode later. Mm-hmm. And it's, I get that. I get that they, I again, I said this throughout the episode. I get what the writers are going for. They want yeah. to add a dynamic to him. They want to make him, maybe it's a family thing, maybe because he, he lightened up a lot when, as soon as Picard said it was his son. Um, but again, his by his own logic, he has 500 other kids who have parents too <laughs> right, and who right. might have children of their own as well. Right. They're not just going to, they're not expendable for one person's son. Yeah. So um, I feel like maybe we'll get a big reveal where like he's actually like he has like Picard and Riker posters on his wall <laughs> as, a, as an ensign or something like that like a lower decks callback with him with like right, a shaggy beard right, and like right, long right. hair and he's like oh my god they're Listen so cool Freebird, just, <laughs> <laughs> or jazz yeah. and then he's just like and then there's like a, a terrible moment where he you know as a lieutenant commander he's like uh, Wolf gotta, 359 he, happens yeah exactly yeah. and then he had to go he's like no can't do it anymore yeah. you know like I, yeah, I feel yeah. like maybe that kind of thing is coming and it will provide some clarity of of the tug and pull within his character yeah. but right now all we have is just wild in in consistency because he you know <laughs> i don't think the proper response is to your first officer uh you know disobeying your direct order and letting the the two people steal a ship from you mm-hmm. or a shuttle from you is to sternly talk to her on the bridge not once but twice before you actually punish her and then mm-hmm. don't actually confine her to actual quarters but mm-hmm. let her just wander around and do whatever like you don't post security guards or have an alarm when she steps out of quarters or anything like yeah, yeah, that yeah. just let her go do her thing right um that doesn't jive and then it also doesn't match up with you know this not not respecting them the way he did and then respecting them enough to involve him in the involve them in the decision making as to what happens with in this weird situation i don't get it i don't know who shaw is you gave you had such a strong introduction of he's an asshole he's not here to help and now he's helping see i think i think there you're right i think we don't know enough about him to know what so i won what his deal no 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 because i think there's a purpose (laughs) to it i think um He's a more lifelike by the book captain than someone like Jellico was. Um, yeah. And he's a lot more sympathetic, I think, because of. Well, we're going to get more screen time with him. And we know from people who have seen more than two episodes that our opinion is going to change about him. So I, I trust that process, I think. Um, but I also I read something interesting on I think it was on Reddit, probably on Reddit, um, where somebody made the made the observation that he seems to be a very like 
neat and tidy by the books kind of guy and that it's possible that he rose up through the ranks from like an engineering position mm-hmm. rather than on a command track from the beginning and so his first concern is not always with you know the finer points of diplomacy or um doing the kind of like yeah. quick decision making um on moral and ethical issues that someone like Picard is really good at or someone yeah. like yep. Riker might be good at yeah. but that his he's very by the books because that works for that him. works for him yeah. and that they made the comparison to like actual naval captains and and other commanders who have done that and that's how they behave on a real naval ship in yeah. today's day and age so but those rules are there for a reason like no absolutely and i <laughs> don't know? think you're gonna see many naval captains who go charging <laughs> off into the gulf you know yeah. tonkin to go well maybe the gulf i don't know um but like i think that um there's a there's more reality to him because of that and i think that makes him See, the way that Shaw is being characterized, I feel like that's what really pisses me off about about Rafi because it's clear that you can write a convincing, well-rounded character. I think that's what Shaw is going to become. Why can't they do that with Rafi? Why can't they do that with Seven? Is it because they're women? I don't know. But it bothers me that Shaw is yeah. is capable. They're They're clearly capable of crafting a character that makes us question who they are. And and I'm intrigued by that, mm-hmm. and yet they also have these other characters who are who are just falling so flat. And it really Seven is one of my favorite characters of all time in Star Trek, and yeah. she yeah, is being we're, we're, on Vo- we're on season seven of Voyager right <laughs> yeah. now, and she is by far my favorite character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. her and the Doctor are the only thing that really make that show work in the last couple yeah. seasons. Yeah, but I mean, she's not living up to that no and and i i really do worry that it's because she's a woman yeah well and, they, and they've they've moved away so far away from who she was in in voyager when yeah. she was still Which very is true. 25 years have gone by or yeah more and 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 i again we mentioned this last episode i did like what they did in the first season you mm-hmm. know giving her something else to to be she was not the perfect starfleet officer that no. janeway wanted all this stuff and it but then to have her then come back to become into Starfleet, it, again, kind of does undo that character a little bit. And I feel like her and Shaw, uh, they don't do the, each other's characters any favors because you're not getting a very dynamic Seven of Nine. No. You're not getting much for Shaw to work off of. And maybe. because Shaw is supposed to be a baddie who's maybe a goodie with yeah. a heart of gold, question mark, you're not letting... Uh, seven blossom in any way either because mm-hmm. who is she is she the one who's actually going to save the day when meanie old Shaw doesn't let them rescue the crew yeah or is she just you know a belligerent first officer who's not doing it because this guy is actually following the rules and doing a very good job and because you can't decide either way with Shaw it's kind of putting her character in no man's land too yeah I mean I I hope that all of this changes as Shaw's character grows that but it shouldn't it shouldn't have to be well, and these characters should be able to stand on their own two feet. They should. And I feel like also there's some irredeemable things like him not calling her by her name. Like, right. that, you know, that's that's well, not I redeemable. Still, I do I, still think that there's going to be some kind of board connection because of the disrespect that he has. And, I, and maybe the softening of Shaw's character is in relation to the fact that, oh, Locutus has a son. Oh, OK. Well, yeah. maybe he's not the unfeeling robot I that I think it's he, possible, yeah. he was when he killed my wife at Wolf 359. I, I think, I think, I think, <laughs> I think, I think it'll be at a uh, first contact war. Like it'll be over Maybe. earth, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I just, I don't know. 
it's it's uh, it's it's I, frustrating. I, I also have I didn't bring this up last time, and I and I have to I have to give Shaw some shit right now mm-hmm. because he made a kind of snide remark against jazz. Not a fan of jazz. Mm, no, I am not. I like structure. I like meter. I like keeping tempo and time, which is why you will probably find this inspection boring for the likes of you two. I've played classical music mm-hmm. and I've played jazz music, like performed it. I've sung classical music and I've sung jazz music. There is nothing more structured than jazz. There's a lot of structure that goes into jazz. Yeah, there's a lot of free form, but you need to know what you're doing before you're before you're allowed to break all those rules that are set up. Jazz is not this like willy-nilly, we're going to do whatever we want. There are rules to follow in jazz. Just because it's not all perfectly written down like Bach does doesn't mean it's not structured. So what the fuck, Shaw? You're going to purge the titan maybe. of all of the jazz structure? I think that that <laughs> that bothers me. It shows that whoever wrote that line knows nothing about jazz. Well, That's I mean, all. to your layman's, jazz seems much more chaotic than your class. Yeah, but just talk to anyone Literally anyone who knows anything about jazz, and they'll say that's a lame. Line. It's, it's really it. just faster. <laughs> well, and 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 more. There's a little bit of chaos to it, and yeah. you know dissonance, and that doesn't mean it's not structured. Okay, you heard it from Lindsay, and I'm an authority. No, you, you I'm played, not at all. <laughs> when was the last time you played uh, instrument live, Lindsay? It's been a while. It's been a while. Let's just leave it at that, shall we? So next week on the episode, we're going to be talking about episode three, obviously. Of <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, are we going to be talking about something? Else? No, no, it'll be, it'll be episode three. I, I think this is a good episode. We we actually had some heated discussion. Yeah, rare for us. We've been agreeing too much lately. We haven't agreed too like much this series... on, on record, on the microphone. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You and, should hear Stu Dishes. Oh my God, it's <laughs> disgusting. But uh, yeah, so thank you for joining us for this one. Uh, I'm looking forward, I am looking forward to more episodes. You're cautiously pessimistic, but you're excited I, no, for the next episode? No, I'm cautious. I am just cautious you about the next episode. But you know what? Thursday nights are nice regardless because that means Friday's there. And you know what? I'll watch anything <laughs> on a Thursday night. That's why people loved Friends and Seinfeld and all those shows. TV. Because Thursdays just work. So I'm looking forward to it, Linz. Yeah, uh, so am I. Thank you for joining me here today. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for for joining me. And uh, live long and prosper, Aiden. And all you listeners out there. I know you're not going to say it back to me. Nope. Never do. You can find all our episodes on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast fix. We love to talk Star Trek with our fellow nerds and would love to hear from you if you have thoughts or ideas about any of our discussions or the topics we brought up. You can reach out to us on Twitter, that's at TheBixPod, or by email at TheBixPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Beam us up, Scotty.